What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first iteration of off-season coverage presented by the Dose Media Network. I'm Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And buddy, it is that time. All right, the 2023 league year has officially kicked off in the NFL. Free agency is underway. Teams are wheeling and dealing, moves are being made, and we, Joey, have returned from hiatus to bestow our hot takes upon the people. All right, on today's show, we'll hit on the biggest stories in free agency and how they've impacted the NFL betting market, as well as potential fantasy impact of new players finding new homes. However, before we get into that, let's make it about us for a minute, right? That's what's important. It's been exactly five weeks to the day since our last piece of content dropped the longest gap in production from us in over three years. I went back to check. So let's get into it. How's it going? What's been up with you? How do you feel about being back? Give it to me. Pause. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's been going good. Um, much needed break, obviously. Probably a longer break than we intended, so we apologize to all of our listeners out there. But after the NFL season, it's a long grind of four months of just straight content. We're doing things every single day. We're recording, editing, putting out YouTube videos, podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and also being in the Discord, if you're not already, make sure you join. Being in the, in the Discord all day, giving out prize picks, entries, and whatnot. And it ended up being a good NFL season, DFS season, definitely profitable. I didn't play much DFS, unfortunately. Ended up playing more prize picks towards the end, especially in the last two, two and a half months of the season. And uh, had some very good results, so happy about that. But just... With me and in my life, you know, getting a little bit personal about what I've been up to, you know, haven't done much. Definitely not the start to 2023 that I wanted and definitely focusing on improving that as the rest of the year goes on and just getting back into you know, a good routine. Definitely have seen myself slip into kind of a, a more negative routine at this point. And I, I think a lot of that for me personally is just the seasonal depression. It affects a ton of people. And I've talked about this uh, with my therapist actually, and it, it affects me quite a bit. It always has. I hate the cold. I hate the winter. I hate being up here uh, when it's this bad out. I mean, it's not horrible, but it, it just makes me unmotivated. It makes me just not want to do anything, not want to hang out with friends or go outside i yep. just want to stay inside and just do nothing and, and it's horrible um so just trying to figure out ways to combat that and fortunately the weather is starting to get a little bit better definitely my happiest when the summer is here but just uh trying to create some more positive momentum as as the year goes on here yeah no i mean that's that's definitely very important no doubt about it i would say that for myself you know, on one of our last episodes before we took a break, we were talking about New Year's resolutions and I spoke personally about embracing change and gambling on myself and leaning into the unknown. And I would say that that's exactly what the first quarter of this year has been about for me. I would say that like the last 40 to 50 days of my life have probably been the most like turbulent period of time that I've gone through on multiple fronts. And I'll just talk about this a little bit. I can't get too much into it, honestly. But like, for those who don't know, I've been working in the hospitality industry for like well over a decade. I was serving tables in high school, worked in restaurants throughout college, 
didn't change fields after I graduated with college, you know, didn't really use my degree. And that was like almost five years ago now. So mm -hmm. last month I got a new job. It's a great job. It's a great opportunity for me to grow professionally. I'm making more money than I've ever made before. I'm doing something that I love. Like I like actually enjoy going to work for the first time in my life. I would love to talk about it a little more, but I'm actually uh, contractually obligated to not use their platform as promotion for my own. So I'm just not going to name drop here. Um, so on one hand, that has been going really well for me. And then on the other hand, I'm also going through a, I would say, painful breakup. I am the most sober I've ever been in my life and dealing with anxiety and, and depression, similar to what you said about, you know, seasonal depression. And I think a lot for me, it's maybe less so about the, the weather and the season, but more so like about the end of football and like, I put so much of myself into that and into the grind that when it's gone, like I kind of have like this vacancy, like what am I doing with my time? Like, and, and that's always been something that's hard for me. And then that piled up with all of this other stuff has just been a wild ride to say the least. Mm -hmm. But I'll say that the podcast throughout the years and especially over the last two years has really been like a rock and it's been a source of stability and something to like pour creative output into and I feel good about it and it's validating. So I'm I'm very happy to be back and hopefully this is uh, another step in the right direction. I think that we've talked a lot behind the scenes about like the direction of this podcast and where we're going to be going in the future. And I'm really excited for what we've got planned for the next few months and it starts today absolutely and we have a ton of news to get into we'll probably put out you know a full-length pod talking about our personal lives mm -hmm. here shortly so if you're interested in that make sure you look out for that but like i said a ton of nfl news ton of trades ton of free agent signings some are still happening while we're recording this podcast so any news that we'll get while we're live recording, we'll react to it, but I say we just get right into it. There's a ton of headlines that we have to cover. Absolutely. Now, why don't we start off with what I think is the biggest story in free agency, and it is centered around a non-free agent. Funny enough, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets. And what is going on with this whole interaction is the dominant story in the NFL right now. Aaron Rodgers seems destined at this point to leave the Green Bay Packers and join the New York Jets. Unsurprisingly, if you followed uh, Aaron Rodgers over the past few years, he is milking the opportunity. He loves the attention. Absolutely loves the attention. The whole Pat McAfee thing yesterday where he said he was 90% retired. And then like five minutes later, he said, yeah, I, I plan to play for the Jets. It's like, dude, we get it. You love the spotlight. You love the clout. You're way too old to be acting like this. But football-wise, Aaron Rodgers seems to be joining the New York Jets in a matter of days at this point. They've signed his boy, Alan Lazard. He gave him this whole wish list of Randall Cobb and OBJ and all these other guys that he wants to play. It's happening, as far as I'm concerned. So what are your reactions? Mm -hmm. Let's just preemptively get this out of the way. When Aaron Rodgers signs with the New York Jets, what do you think this does for the Jets? Does it make them a true contender? Vegas seems to think it does. Currently, the Jets are fourth in odds to win the AFC and seventh in odds to win the Super Bowl. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, obviously would be a huge pickup for the New York Jets who haven't had a stable quarterback since, hmm, I don't even think there's been one since we've both been alive. No. Chad Pennington, maybe is the closest to you know an elite quarterback that they've had uh in the last 25 years so obviously it's a very good pickup the jets have a ton of young skill talent like you said they signed alan lazard four years 44 million you know 11 million a year pretty good money there they still have Corey davis 
Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson is obviously an ascending superstar. At this point, Brees Hall is going to return off of his torn ACL. And then they have a very good defense as well. They have a good secondary led by Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed. They got some players in the front seven that are very good. So if they get Aaron Rodgers, and like you said, it's pretty much a done deal. You tweeted it, Vegas knows everything and you mentioned the Vegas odds, it's a done deal, just has to get formally announced at this point. The Jets are definitely a contender with Rodgers, mm-hmm. with, without a doubt. And, and this will be one of his most skilled teams that he's had over the last... 10 years easily on both sides of the ball yep. like Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs like we could we could sit here and debate about whether or not you know he's great in the playoffs or if he chokes or whatever but his defenses have continuously let him down in the playoffs and at the end of the day football's a team game you need both sides of the ball and even special teams to play well in order to win those high intensity games and Rodgers defense has hardly ever showed up in those spots so if he goes to the Jets I, I think they're a playoff team, obviously, uh, barring injuries, of course, and it's it's a good move for both sides. The Packers have to move on. He's what thirty nine, forty years old at this point. They have a young quarterback that they drafted highly, waiting in the wings, ready to go. And Jordan Love, you got to see what you have with him. Rodgers doesn't want to be there anymore. I think it's a win win for both teams, and the the Jets will finally be able to get on Sunday Night Football, which they haven't been on SNF since uh, twenty twelve. Fun fact. Really? Interesting. That, that's, 2012 that's is the last time the Jets played on Sunday Night Football. Well, they'll definitely be one of those teams where NFL media is infatuated with them, and they get loaded up with primetime games if Rodgers joins the team. Everything you said, I totally agree with. I do think it makes them contenders. I don't think he's like a top five quarterback in the league right now anymore but that being said like you don't need to be like we just saw Brady beat Mahomes in the Super Bowl recently right and Mahomes was the better quarterback in that game but the team situation in my opinion with a quarterback that is good enough can get you over the hump and I I think that this is strikingly similar in my opinion to Brady going to the Bucks at the end of his career right? Like you're Mm -hmm. surrounded with great weapons. You talked about it. I could see Garrett Wilson being a top 10, top five wide receiver with Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers perpetually boosts the production of mediocre wide receivers throughout his career. And when he has an elite wide receiver, you know what the ceiling is, i.e. Devontae Adams. So I think that that's set up well defensive rookie of the year and sauce Gardner, Brees hall could have been offensive rookie of the year if he stayed healthy and they did have the offensive rookie of the year and garrett like we just talked about he probably would have been yep great coaching year absolutely i trust robert sala more than i trust any of those mike mccarthy years in green bay more than i trust lafleur recently so i love this spot for aaron Rodgers. i think it's interesting that uh aaron Rodgers was like the most vocal anti-vax athlete in the nfl and the owner of the jets is the guy who owns johnson and johnson shout out to woody johnson so i I guess they're (laughs) putting their politics aside for the dubs and and good for them I don't think Johnson cares about uh, vaccines. No. I think he cares about money. <laughs> very fair. Very, very fair indeed. Now, we've talked about things from the Jets side of things. Now, where do you think that this leaves the Packers? Because, you know, Jordan Love is, for the most part, an unknown. He looked pretty good in the time that we, the brief time that we saw him at the end of last year, but I could see him having an extremely wide range of outcomes. The Packers now, Christian Watson, really the only weapon, Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon, a very solid backfield, but outside of those three players, I mean, Robert Tunyon is old as dirt. 
dirt. Romeo Dobbs was the definition of inconsistency, and they have nobody outside of there on the offensive side of the ball. Defense, mid to bad. So I don't know. Where does this leave the Packers? Is this going to be a dark era for Green Bay going forward? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think it will be, you know, kind of very reminiscent of the Patriots in the AFC years of being a dominant team with an elite quarterback and it always flips right and we'll, we'll talk about that later in the show because uh, obviously I have s- some major thoughts about the whole Patriots <laughs> situation but getting back to the Packers they lack you know the high-end talent that they once had Aaron Jones is definitely their best player at this point Christian Watson I think will be an ascending player in year two wide receivers are definitely wide receivers that you want to target and I think Watson will be a target for me in fantasy football as well as Garrett Wilson obviously I mean Garrett Wilson to the moon but outside of those two players I mean personally I think AJ Dillon is horrible like he's one of the worst RB2s in the league AJ Dillon is not good at football dang he, he he AJ Dillon is not good at football. Bro, have you seen I don't think there's though? anything that he does well. The, there's really nothing that he does well in my opinion. So you you got two players there that are really going to carry the load on offense and then like you said Jordan Love has a wide range of outcomes in terms of like his potential production and what type of quarterback he's going to turn out to. Like coming out of college he had comparisons to like Patrick Mahomes at some points. Um, And then he got some playing time early in his career. Wasn't great. Got some PT in the Eagles game last year. Actually looked really good. Much better. Much better. He looked... He looked solid, uh, but I still think the Packers are going to be one of the worst teams in the NFC. They have the worst roster in the NFC North, by far, in my opinion. They have the worst quarterback in the NFC North, and yeah, it's just... It, that's how it goes in the NFL. It always flips. You have your 10-year, you know, 12-year, 15-year run of dominance, and then your five to 10 years of mediocrity once you lose that elite starting quarterback. So, And, you know, they kind of skipped that step by going from Favre to Rodgers, but I'm sorry, guys, you're not going to hit it three X in a row. It's just not happening. You, and if you, they do, <laughs> like, give yeah. whoever is in charge of the Packers drafting everything give them a medal of honor yeah no no joke but it's funny something you just said about the Packers having clear-cut the worst roster in the NFC North like even a month ago like the last time we recorded I don't think that we would have said that but the Bears they've been doing it man they've made some very very strong moves the Bears and Panthers trade something we haven't talked about yet I mean as far as I'm concerned the Bears should be doing time because that was highway robbery bro like absolute (laughs) complete robbery of the Panthers. I love this move for Chicago. I love that they committed to Justin Fields, all of the offseason speculation. I mean, not really offseason speculation because it was like a month, but the speculation surrounding whether or not they would go for a quarterback, whether or not they were in on Justin Fields. I always thought that was pretty silly. We saw the upside of Justin Fields and what he can bring as a dynamic playmaker to an offense. He just needed to be surrounded by better talent. I mean, they had a god-awful defense. They had a horrible offensive line, and they were throwing balls to like Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and Chase Claypool. Now, They load up with draft capital. They get DJ Moore, which is, I mean, maybe not an elite wide receiver one, but easily the best wide receiver that Justin Fields will have been throwing to in his NFL career and a super solid playmaker. Now they have got less pressure on Mooney, less pressure on Claypool, less uh, pressure on Komet, and they've just set themselves up to really ascend 
Not to mention, mm-hmm. you know, they add Tremaine Edmonds. They've been picking up a ton of players in free agency. They've got like the most money of any team and they're doing what you need to do to turn around things quickly in the NFL. I don't know if they're like an NFC contender right away, but I would not be surprised in any way, shape, or form to see them be an NFC contender within the next two to three years. Yeah, I mean, shout out to Ryan Poles, the Bears GM. You know, if if you would have told me that this would would have been the Bears roster a few years ago, I would have said, like, you're crazy. Um, and, and the moves that they've been making, I think, have been largely good. Like you said, the trade for DJ Moore in the hall that they got for the number one overall pick was obviously a very good trade for Chicago in their future, and they still have a top 10 pick in the draft. So they could still realistically get a top 10 talent, depending on what position they want to go. You know, they could add a running back in. David Montgomery went to, you know, your Detroit Lions. I think that was a good, a pretty good pickup. Uh, money a little bit too high there for DeMont, but I think that DeMont is an upgrade on Jamal Williams personally. And going back to the Bears, I, I definitely think they, they could be in wildcard contention this year. I mean, mm-hmm. the the biggest thing that we've seen over the NFL in the last few years is when young quarterbacks get a wide receiver one added to their team, we see that ascension. We see that elevated play. We saw it this year with A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts and Tyreek Hill with Tua, yep. right? We saw it when the Bengals decided to go with Jamar Chase over some other prospects, especially on the offensive line when they had a ton of OL concerns. They add Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, top three quarterback in the NFL, right? Josh Allen, ascension with Diggs. We we see it time and time again, and, and the Bears are following that mold, and they got DJ Moore, and DJ Moore is an elite wide receiver in the NFL. He's just obviously been hampered by bad quarterback play. Uh, the Panthers never did any favors for DJ Moore, so you add DJ Moore to that offense. Khalil Herbert, obviously a very good young running back. They'll probably add another running back through the draft. You know whether that be Bijan Robinson or another running back later. They signed a couple of offensive linemen. They signed some defensive pieces, and I, I think. The Bears will be competitive. So Justin Fields, stock definitely up. And like I said, we, we, we've we seen it over the last few years. When you add that wide receiver one into the offense, the quarterback is usually the, the main benefactor of that move. And yeah, Justin Fields, I mean, he already showed an elite ceiling in fantasy. It's it's probably a little bit higher now. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I would be fine if I'm the Bears going into the season with DJ Moore, Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool, and Cole Komet, and Khalil Herbert. Like, that's good enough. And I don't necessarily think they're done. They're definitely in position if they want to add playmakers right now with salary and draft capital. So Bears arrow way up. The Panthers, on the other hand, who sold essentially this entire draft and part of next year for this 101 pick. I hate this move for Carolina. I really do. Like, I think, okay, they're obviously invested in getting one of Stroud or Young, but what what position are you putting them into? Like, you're putting them absolutely in a position to fail, okay? In the last year, you shipped off your best two offensive weapons in CMC and DJ Moore. Now, you're going to bring in a young quarterback into a situation with absolutely no talent right now. You're going to be throwing to Terrace Marshall, okay? You're going to be handing the ball off to Miles Sanders, who, okay, 
They just signed him, four-year deal, too much money, too long in my opinion. I like Miles Sanders, but Miles Sanders can't be the second best piece of your offense or the best piece of your offense because, I mean, I'm not that big of a Terrace Marshall guy personally. So I just think they are just going to put whatever young quarterback, and we see this with bad teams time and time again, they bring in a young quarterback, the surrounding talent is bad, and then you set them up to have a whole overhaul when all of these coaches get fired because they're, you know, right there in the top five worst records next year. I don't really understand what the Panthers are doing. And then these reports come out that they might be willing to trade back. Just like, what are you doing? You're just like lost puppies right now. It it makes no (laughs) sense. Yeah, I don't understand leaking that you'd be willing to trade out of the number one overall pick once you trade for it. I think... When you trade for the number one overall pick, you're you're saying we're staying here and we're taking a quarterback. Now, what quarterback will that be? We obviously do not know at this point. I think all three could potentially go one. Anthony Richardson included with the two that you mentioned. And yeah, the Panthers moves have just been baffling to, to me personally. Frank Reich, who is their head coach now, I think he's a good head coach and he could definitely uh, maximize the talent that they have. And the division is weak enough that they're still in play. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Falcons are not pursuing Lamar Jackson, who is the biggest free agent quarterback on the market still right now. Obviously, teams would have to give up two first-round picks and a bunch of money to get them, but I think a lot of teams could benefit from Lamar, and the Falcons have already said that they're not coming out to sign Lamar, which doesn't make a ton of sense. The Saints have made quite a bit of moves, which we'll talk about here next. And then the Bucks. I mean, they signed Baker Mayfield. They released Leonard Fournette. They just signed Chase Edmonds as well today. Yeah, I don't know boy. if you saw that. Yeah, your boy. Yeah. Straight traded one of your boys for a different one of your boys. Out for net and admin. Sheesh. So the division is still wide open, to be honest. And obviously they're not done adding players and adding pieces. The skill talent doesn't look great, but it does help that they're in a very weak division. It definitely does. And I mean, let's talk about that division a little bit because as you just mentioned, two quarterback changes in the NFC South, Derek Carr, to the New Orleans Saints, Baker Mayfield to Tampa Bay. You know, the way that Vegas sees this, and I like to look at these things as a gauge, see what I do and don't agree with. I agree that the Saints should be favored. They are plus 125 favorites to win this division. So in addition to bringing in Derek Carr, the Saints extended Michael Thomas, which I was very surprised to see on a one-year deal for $10 million. They extended Juwan Johnson for $12 million over two years, which love that. I mean, he was a huge sleeper down the stretch. I thought that any team that landed him would benefit and the Saints obviously felt the same way because they kept him around and then they signed Jamal Williams three years 12 million don't love it but you know they are most likely going to be dealing with the Alvin Kamara suspension that they pushed off a year last offseason you know they're gonna have to deal with those consequences sooner or later I think that it comes at the beginning of this year so Jamal will be a good holdover and obviously he can be a productive piece of a backfield as long as you're not putting your entire backfield on the weight of Jamal Williams how do you feel about the moves that the Saints have made and do you agree that Derek Carr does give them an edge up on the rest of the competition for that NFC South division. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like you said, the Saints are the favorite to win the division right now. Derek Carr, obviously not an elite quarterback, but he's a middle of the pack quarterback. I'd rather have him than about 10 or 12 other NFL quarterbacks. So an upgrade on Andy Dalton and Jameis Winston. You referenced the Michael Thomas deal, which I do like bringing him back at 10 million. He's still a very talented receiver. The issue has been health with Michael Thomas, but if he can stay healthy with mental health or physical health, 
physical health. Maybe a little of both. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but if he could stay healthy with Chris Olave and then Jawan Johnson, who you said uh, signed that two-year, $12 million deal, I think he's one of the best sleeper tight ends in fantasy football yep. currently. And then Jamal Williams is whatever. Alvin Kamara. And then Rashid Shahid is maybe a, a young you know, second-year wide receiver to target in the late rounds of fantasy this year. I, I think the Saints are the right favorites uh, for this division. I think they do win the division. And, yeah, I mean, the the Saints will be competitive. Obviously, they're not going to go anywhere with Derek Carr at quarterback. But the NFC is wide open. That That's a plus. Um, Definitely. I mean, odds included, what do you think between the Saints at plus 125 to win the division and the Bucks at plus 550? This is the best surrounding cast that Baker has probably ever had, assuming that they don't trade away one of Evans or Godwin. I could... S- just because the quality of the division is so low, I could see them, you know, scraping by and winning that division with like eight or nine wins. But I mean, at plus 550, I think the price is okay. I think that's definitely a good bet. Like I would bet that more like over the Saints at plus 125, like odds included and like range of outcomes included. I like the sharp money on the Bucks. Absolutely. The, the Bucks still have a ton of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Like you said, barring any potential trades of Chris Godwin or Mike Evans, they still have one of the best combo wide receivers in the NFL. Rashad White is going to be a second-year ascending running back. They signed Chase Edmonds. They let go of Uncle Lenny. He's obviously dust at this point. They also released a couple of offensive linemen, which is concerning. They traded Shaq Mason to the Texans. So I think they're going to have some issues on the offensive line. But at plus 550, that division is wide open. The team that wins the division is going to be a 7, 8, or 9 win team max. Yep. First, so, first round out, wild yeah, card out for sure. Yeah. First one, first one to to eight wins wins the division most likely, and I I think that the Bucks had have enough talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball at the skill positions, to make a play for the division title. But a ton of moves out of the NFC South. The Falcons have gotten a little bit better. They they've signed a couple of players. They traded for Janu Smith, uh, who reunites with Arthur Smith the head coach that got him the bag at Tennessee and the division should be better than last year but still one of the most poverty divisions in the entire league if anybody wants to give me some odds on Jonu Smith to have a better season than Kyle Pitts DM me (laughs) on Twitter please because I mean she because it's happening yeah no cap yeah I I actually I like a lot of the moves that uh, the Falcons have made brought in Taylor Heineke they brought in Jesse Bates uh, Chris Lindstrom uh, at offensive guard, which is huge because their O-line was god-awful last year. So, I mean, I could see any of these teams honestly making a run, except for the Panthers, to be honest. I really don't believe yeah. in the Panthers. But nonetheless, let's transition to Jimmy Garoppolo. That was another big quarterback move. He replaces Derek Carr as the starter for the Las Vegas Raiders. Again, to me, this is an example of a front office putting a quarterback in a position to fail. The team trades away Darren Waller, which we can get into in a minute as it relates to the Giants and Jimmy G now is in a situation where he has to compete with Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in the division like I don't get it I I feel like all NFL teams should be aiming higher in the landscape of today's NFL if you can't compete with these top quarterbacks you're just wasting time and even more so in a loaded division with two of the best so you look at it Vegas totally agrees 
The Raiders have the second worst odds of any team in the league to win their division at plus 1300. And that sounds right to me. And just trading away Darren Waller for a third round pick, like, and then paying a quarterback that is not like, you're not going for a top draft pick. You're not building for the future. Jimmy G is a guy that like you're playing to win now in theory. It just doesn't make sense to me. Something isn't clicking with the uh, the moves that the Raiders made. And, you know, now they're paying top tier money for Josh Jacobs. Like, make it make sense. Well, I think it's just that you have to understand the reasoning that Jimmy Garoppolo was brought in is because that was Josh McDaniels' guy in New England. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Familiarity with the offense. And in New England, Jimmy G was successful in the few times that he had to start under Josh McDaniels. That offense and the offensive scheme that Josh McDaniels employs is the perfect offense for Jimmy Garoppolo. And I personally don't think Jimmy G is that much of a downgrade to Derek Carr, to be honest. Agreed. I, th- I think that it was a severe overpay for sure. Mm-hmm. Would he get like three years, 80 mil? Something like that. Too um, much. He's, he's currently making, I know this, that he's 18th in terms of annual salary among starting quarterbacks. So just below average, which sounds about right to me. I, I guess when you put it like that, it's okay. I still think it, it was a little bit too much money, but in my opinion, Jimmy G is a top 20 quarterback in the league. He has shown success. The only issue with Jimmy G has been health over the last five, six years. He can't stay healthy. And that's kind of been the the 49ers downfall um, over the last five years and, and why they haven't made a Super Bowl run. It's because they always lose their starting quarterback and it's always been Jimmy G. But he's capable for fantasy. Darren Waller leaving definitely condenses the targets to Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers is there now, RIP. Uh, So sad about that. Josh Jacobs, who they uh, franchise tagged, is back on his one-year $10 million deal. Hunter Renfro is still there. Foster Moreau is a free agent, but with Darren Waller being traded, I would expect them to re-sign Foster Moreau. He would be a nice sleeper tight end, uh, late-round tight end. Those are the guys that we want to target. And I, I, I definitely think that he could give production to those guys. Uh, Devontae Adams is still an alpha. He's going to command 25-30% of a target share there and not too worried about Jimmy G impacting his fantasy relevance and I I think he could still uh, give production to those guys. That's my take on Jimmy G. So we don't have win totals yet but let's say the line is nine and a half for the Raiders. Where are you leaning? I mean you're betting the under obviously. I don't think it'll be nine and a half. I think it'll be like seven and a half Mm. just because of the division that they're in. Uh, The Broncos have gotten better. We'll have to see what they do with their wide receivers. Apparently Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are both candidates to be traded, praying that the Patriots make the move for for Jerry Judy. Mm. Um, probably won't. Yeah, I was I was all ready to be in on a Russ bounce back in that offense, and then that news comes out, and I just yeah. I don't know. I don't really know what they're doing either. I do think Russ will bounce back and sh- with Sean Payton. I think Sean Payton is a head coach that you can count on to to come in and improve things. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet. But I do believe that a lot of the failures of the Broncos can be attributed to Nathaniel Hackett, who is with New York now, uh, as another ploy to get Aaron Rodgers there. We didn't really mention that. But the Raiders being the worst odds to win their division definitely makes sense, considering who's in their division. They're they're just going to be in that you know no man's land of NFL squads for the next five to 10 years when you have Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert in your division so I agree with that 
100%. Let's talk about a controversial move by the New York Giants to extend Danny Dimes. They gave this man a bag, all right? $160 million over four years, which on the surface and in recent memory, that seems like a ton of money for a guy like Daniel Jones, but there just aren't that many quarterbacks. And like, I see where they're coming from, especially in the NFC. It's different because the level of competition is frankly way lower. So I get going and sticking with Danny Dimes, you know, making the moves that you need to make to start surrounding him with more talent. Like we've said, you know, when you surround these quarterbacks with more talent, good things happen. Obviously, they keep Saquon Barkley on the franchise tag. They trade a third round pick for Darren Waller. That's huge. They re-sign Sterling Shepard. They re-sign Isaiah Hodgins. They bring in Paris Campbell. That happened just a few minutes ago. Like, I don't know, man. I, I could see the Giants maintaining a certain level of competency this year. Like I, I I could see this going either way. I don't really know what I expect out of the Giants, but because they're in the NFC, I could see them once again being a playoff team with Daniel Jones, with sharp coaching from Brian Dable, and a team that has been able to overperform getting better. I don't know. I kind of like these moves for the Giants. Yeah, I think that the Daniel Jones contract is blasphemous, obviously. Anybody that's not a Giants fan will agree that he is not worth that contract. Contract, but he obviously is capable in this offense and it's a product of the Giants overachieving last year uh th- this contract was a result of them being a good team and making the playoffs they got smoked but they still won a playoff game with Daniel Jones right yep. he was he was very good in that game and he was throwing to Isaiah Hodgins and Darius Slayton and Richie James now they get Darren Waller they release Kenny Galladay get him off the squad they re-signed Isaiah Hodgins. Wandale Robinson will be back. Everybody probably forgot about Wandale, who was starting to come on before he tore his ACL. Franchise tag Saquon. They signed Paris Campbell. So they have players. Uh, I, w- I would still expect them to continue to make moves and get some more skill talent. And Daniel Jones is kind of ascending, but I think the ceiling is still capped with him. But his rushing upside makes up for the lack of passing upside that you're going to get. I think that the Giants will still be competent. They'll probably be a playoff team just with the context of the NFC. And the NFC East is the best division in the NFC. And there will probably be three playoff teams from that division once again. So yep. last year around this time, or maybe a little bit later, we, we did our favorite you know season-long bets earlier last year. And my number one was the Giants win total for last season. That obviously smacked. When you get a huge coaching upgrade in in Brian Dable, I mean, it makes a ton of difference. Coaching, having a good coach is is the second most important position on a football team. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. I mean, Daniel Jones just profited $160 million based off coaching. So if if that was still Jason Garrett, he wouldn't be a New York Giant right now. Couldn't have said it better myself. Or Joe Judge or whoever whatever whatever bum they had there before yeah and and sticking in the nfc east joey i never thought i would live long enough to see the day that the (laughs) cowboys cut ties with ezekiel elliott it's finally happened fantasy football twitter has been calling for this move for like three years we thought contractually it was never going to happen we thought that you know jerry jones would never let his boy go but it's it's finally happened unfortunately personally i don't believe that this is the hashtag free pollard 
moment that some people believe it to be. I, I don't think that they're going to go into this season with like the idea that Tony Pollard is a workhorse for them. Even as strong as Tony Pollard showed himself to be last year, there were still quotes coming out from their running backs coach and from their offensive coordinator that Tony Pollard is a guy who needs to be part of a backfield. He can't handle, you know, over the course of a season, a full workload. They want somebody in there spelling him. So I definitely see this as a situation where they either draft somebody or they bring in some free agency help. And it will once again be in a situation where Tony Pollard is probably the more talented back in the backfield, but the workload is once again being split by somebody who just replaces Zeke at a cheaper cost. Yeah, absolutely. I I agree with your take 100%. I don't think this is Tony Pollard's backfield at all. I think that the likeliest route is they bring in a free agent running back, and then when the NFL draft rolls around, they will not be able to resist B. John Robinson if he is still on the board at pick 26. That's what I think is going to happen. I put my fucking meat on the table that B. John Robinson is a Dallas Cowboy. The Ezekiel Elliott pick did work out. They drafted him number four back when, 2016. Yeah. The pick wasn't bad. It was the contract that was bad. It was yeah. the extension that was the, bad. The, the pick, pick was worked fine. out. Zeke is like a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Like, he's had a very very good career and and he he was a good pick like he was a top player in that draft he worked out the second contract was obviously horrible and they finally cut ties but there's a ton of solid free agent running backs still available a ton have already signed or re-signed with their current teams madison was one that I was kind of interested in. Mm-hmm. He unfortunately re-signed to Minnesota. The Dolphins retained both of their running backs. All four, bro. They brought in Wilson, Moster, Ahmed, and Gaskin all re-signed. They're literally yeah. running it back. <laughs> um, there are some running backs available for trade that we'll talk about, but I think uh, a player that the Cowboys should target, I have, I have two. I think Damian Harris would be a very good fit for the Cowboys. I love that. Damian Harris in my opinion, is the best free agent running back available right now. And he's a very good runner. He would fit that team perfectly. You don't need him to go out there and catch passes when you have Tony Pollard. And that would be a very good 1A, 1B situation there. And I'd I'd also like to see Kareem Hunt there as well. Get Kareem Hunt and uh, Tony Pollard on the same team. Two players that can really do the same thing, but kind of bring different elements to the offense. Kareem Hunt brings, you know, that power, that toughness uh, between the tackles running. But he can also be a factor in the passing game. So your offense isn't one-dimensional when he's out there. And then you still have Tony Pollard, and we, we all know T.P., is, you know, like a top 10 back at this point. So those are the two players that I think the Cowboys should go after. And then they'll obviously draft B. John Robinson. That, that's a fucking lock. Just, I, I wonder what the odds of that is uh, for the Cowboys to, to draft B. John. Dude, the biggest owl in New York is that we can't bet on stuff like that, like draft props. Yeah. It's, it's absurd. Because, I mean, we would clean up. But that being said, yeah, like, I love that fit with Damian Harris. I hadn't really thought about that. I totally agree. He's got to be, like, the top free agent running back. Like, if you exclude the superstars that have been reportedly available for trade, Damian Harris would be a huge asset to any team, especially a team that has somebody like Tony Pollard that could be, like, a dynamic piece 
of a backfield with with somebody like Damian Harris. I, I would love that. I mean, it'll probably be like, yeah, them drafting Bijan or they'll bring in somebody like Fournette or, or just something stupid like that. But love the Damian Harris call. And then from the Zeke side of things, like, is there anywhere that you think that he could go this season to be successful? Or is this kind of like the end of the run for Ezekiel Elliott? Like the same way that, you know, these, these guys, they flame out quickly, right? Like maybe he can go and have a nice stretch with the second team, or maybe he could be Todd Gurley early and it, it's time to chalk it up yeah Zeke was he he was injured last year and he dealt with injuries it's obvious that he lost a step though he's not as quick as fast as agile as he once was he's 27 years old currently he probably still wants to play football a team will probably give him you know one year six million dollars he'll get that just based off his name I really don't know what team would go after Zeke I don't know what he provides at this point in his career. Same thing with Fournette. You did reference Fournette. They're both free agents. At least Fournette is kind of a factor in the passing game, whereas Zeke hasn't been. I don't think that's because Zeke can't. It's obviously because TP was just better at it and more explosive, but... I don't know. Do you do you have a team in mind for Zeke or Leonard Fournette at this point? I really can't see them signing to a team. At, like especially early in free agency no i i don't think that zeke will be somebody who signs early i think that zeke will be a guy who lands based off of injury uh and like an immediate need that presents itself like when i was thinking about teams where i thought zeke could go the falcons stand out to me they definitely need a running back yeah but the, i mean they have cordero and um what's his face Algier. yeah but like exact but you know exactly like they need a running back <laughs> Um, I I think that he could be somebody who makes sense with like the Chargers if they end up trading Austin Eckler. He could make sense with like the Titans if they end up trading Derrick Henry. Like I just, I think that he will be sort of a final domino to fall. Like I don't think anybody right now is rushing to be the first one to sign Zeke, but I think that team needs will make themselves presented in the coming weeks and months and Zeke will fill a hole for a team at that point. And, you know, we'll address it when the time comes because there are scenarios like if Zeke landed with the Chargers and and Eckler was gone like I think that would be a phenomenal spot and I think he would be uh, like fantasy relevant but you know if he ends up on the Titans and Derrick Henry is gone and you know their quarterback situation is completely ambiguous it could probably be a massive L so for him it's going to be landing spot that determines you know my feelings on on Zeke definitely and just one last note about Zeke I still think that he can be a Jamal Williams Jamal Williams had a thousand yards what 17 touchdowns last year Zeke had 876 yards, 12 touchdowns. The year before that, he had 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. I still think Zeke can give you that. Just from a fantasy perspective, he's going to be totally irrelevant. But from a real-life NFL perspective, he could definitely give a team production. And we've seen teams sign, you know, 38-year-old Adrian Peterson. So he's definitely going to sign to a team. I just really don't know what team that will be, but... Zeke will have a market as well as uh, Leonard Fournette, and like I said, he could still give you 810. He he could he could score 15 touchdowns realistically, like on the Chargers. Yeah, exactly. Like if he if Jamal Williams, perfect comp. Like he could Literally. be a one touchdown machine that is giving you really nothing between the 20s, but you put him in the red zone and and he can. We'll be tilting it, especially hell yeah on, on D and DFS and and price picks and whatnot and you know betting on fantasy scores and whatnot like 
we will 100% be tilting Ezekiel Elliott coming in at the one yard line as he did quite a bit with the Cowboys this past year. But from an NFL perspective, he could still give you that and he'll he'll punch in those touchdowns. Let's talk about some of the other running back news here. And you alluded to a few superstar running backs that could be on the trade block. I mean, Austin Eckler has had his request to be traded, you know, validated by the team. Like the team is like, go ahead which I find to be completely shocking because Austin Eckler was like the engine of that offense in pretty much every single way last year. And this is a team that's perpetually like struggled to keep their wide receivers healthy. And Austin Eckler has just been a complete rock for them. Derrick Henry is apparently available for trade in Tennessee. Again, the entire engine of that team's offense, like they would be a complete disaster. I feel like without Derrick Henry, I have no idea what they would be doing there. And then Dalvin Cook is supposedly being very much sought after as well. Almost from some reports that I saw, people are like, like more in on Dalvin Cook than either of the others. And that's shocking to me because I would have Dalvin Cook ranked third. But, you know, NFL teams really value Dalvin Cook. The Vikings, like you said, extended Alexander Madison. So, I mean, I could see all three of these guys getting moved. And that would really shake things up in terms of NFL backfields. Because, you know, these are guys that we definitely view as top 10 running backs. These are guys that were all top 15 picks in fantasy last year like these are legit superstar running backs in the NFL right now yeah absolutely Austin Eckler definitely deserves to get paid he's made a decent amount of money in his career but he came in as an undrafted rookie running back hasn't got a big contract and that's really what he's looking for and the Chargers are obviously smart to not give him that contract he's a 28 year old running back and we we know the decline comes fast but I think the skill set of Austin Eckler is a skill set that a lot of teams can use and will use so his trade market should be relatively high Derrick Henry that's the one that I'm kind of like eh about I think no matter where Derrick Henry goes his value automatically goes down yeah he's in the best spot possible for production with Tennessee as they focus their entire offense around Derrick Henry and any team he goes to immediately his value drops and I mentioned this on on Twitter but I would be interested in in taking some Derrick Henry season long unders and I'm I'm sure we'll do a whole pod about season long uh player prop bets that that we like I know there's a few out there already Garrett Wilson Trevor Trevor as well on prize picks but Derrick Henry yeah just anywhere he goes immediately decreases his fantasy value in my opinion so I I would want him to stay with Tennessee but at this point he probably wants the chance to compete for a Super Bowl and I I think the Bills uh, should should be making calls imagine Josh Allen and Derrick Henry in the same backfield exactly I I wouldn't even want to be on defense I'd be like coach take me out the fucking game please that's the one to me where i'm like sheesh because like it makes so much sense in the the cold weather of buffalo like you got josh you got derrick henry just be the most physically imposing offense in the league why not it probably doesn't even cost that much to get him i bet it doesn't cost as much as you would think they absolutely should be on the phone with tennessee asking what will it take to get derrick henry i think derrick henry has at least one good year left he's a fucking alien 
Yes. Like he's old. He has a lot of tread on his on his tires. But <laughs> I'm not betting I'm not betting against mm-hmm. Derrick Henry nope. on a game to game basis. He's a fucking freak alien robot. And that backfield would be scary. That's the most ideal landing spot. And then his touchdown upside would, would be extremely high, but I, I would still like his rushing yards under there. Yeah. Uh, if he if he were to go to Buffalo, no doubt. I mean, season long rushing under for sure. But I mean, there I can't remember in recent memory a running back who I I saw player prop lines of like 120 yards, and I was bro was at 120 over. against the Texans, <laughs> and the Come over on. was a lock. <laughs> Imagine. <laughs> Um, yeah, and honestly, I also think the Bills are in play for Dalvin Cook. Get the Cook brothers in town and start cooking, sheesh, just for the storyline. Yeah, I, I think out of the top three, I think Dalvin is the least likeliest to be traded, just with his injury concerns. Derrick Henry and Austin Eckler have both been relatively healthy throughout their entire career, mm-hmm. whereas Dalvin Cook has missed games pretty much every single year of his career so far. So with that being said, I, I think that Cook is the least likeliest to get traded I think Eckler is the most likeliest to get traded, and I, I'd be interested to, to see where they're going. This this is already a solid offseason of moves and uh, changes, and I think it's only going to get crazier. And then you have the NFL draft as well in a month or so. So excited uh, for all of these moves. Yeah, no, I mean, it feels like we've only gotten the appetizer so far. Like, I think we're going to get some Hopkins news. We've got these star running backs. We mentioned some of the receivers like Sutton, Judy, on the block, Lamar OBJ. Jackson, OBJ. Yeah, like there's still there's still a lot of stuff to be uh, coming out over these next couple of weeks. Let's talk about, I mean, I, th- I personally think that this is kind of a sneaky high impact signing, and that is Rashad Penny to the Eagles. Miles Sanders, mm-hmm. which we talked about, went to Carolina and just because of the team setup and you know the offensive line and what Jalen Hurts does to defenses and how it's hard to just like zone in on the running back in that offense from a defensive standpoint like Rashad Penny coming off the injuries the injuries have always been the concern for him but we have seen him absolutely cook when healthy this is by far going to be the best situation that he's ever been in on the Eagles I could easily see him matching Miles Sanders production from like a fantasy standpoint Sanders was either 21st or 22nd in points per game in full PPR last year and that was basically adding zero as a pass catcher which I think Penny also adds zero as a pass catcher but Sanders had double digit touchdowns I think Rashad Penny instantly enters the conversation as somebody who could have double digit touchdowns in this offense and they got him for extremely cheap as well yeah one of the best signings of free agency for the Eagles. I think that Rashad Penny and Miles Sanders are very relative in terms of their talent. Rashad Penny is probably just a better overall rusher. Miles Sanders is just more available. So that's the concern with Penny, but the spot for production is pretty solid. The Eagles have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. Jason Kelsey announced that he was returning, so they get you know their veteran presence back at center. A lot of continuity there. The Eagles offense is still going to be one of the best in the entire NFL, and Rashad Penny right now is currently going in the eighth round-ish, which I think is pretty fair, and at that point, you're out of the running back dead zone, so... Definitely a target in best ball drafts. Uh, Rashad Penny is pass catching upside is obviously very, very non-existent with Penny. And Kenny Gainwell also looked pretty solid in, in that playoff stretch run. So I think he's going to be a factor moving forward. And at cost, Kenny Gainwell is probably the, the Eagles running back that I would be more interested in. But Rashad Penny 
right now as an eighth, ninth round pick is, is still a good value for sure. Yeah, I haven't really done much in terms of best ball yet. I did two drafts because Underdog had like that two max tourney for $3. So like I did two drafts. I think I did take Penny on one. That's higher than I was expecting you to say in terms of his ADP. I don't, I, I would probably prefer Gainwell later as well to Penny if we're talking eighth, ninth round. But that being said, like he could easily pay that off. Like I drafted no Miles Sanders last year for the same reason. And Miles Sanders ended up being a good pick in fantasy because he got double digit touchdowns in an elite offense and so penny could definitely pay that off my detroit lions joey signed david montgomery which you alluded to the money a little much you know 18 million for three years he is young though uh replaces jamal williams they obviously weren't gonna just hand the ball you know hand the reins over to swift like we knew that wasn't happening i don't hate it i definitely don't love it like David Montgomery to me is just like a guy that you know exactly what you're going to get out of him. You know, he's had 200 plus attempts every year that he's been in the league, you know, between 200 and 240, very tight range. He's been in the middle of the pack in terms of efficiency every single year between 3.7 and 4.3 yards per attempt, very tight range. And if you dig deeper and like look at his yards created per touch, yards after contact, et cetera, like he's below average. So I think he's a slight improvement on Jamal Williams between the 20s. He's probably not going to be as efficient in terms of leading the league and rushing touchdowns from the one yard line. It's whatever, dude. It's just like a mess signing to me. Like I would have preferred to get Rashad Penny or, you know, something like that as a Lions fan, but I don't think that it's a downgrade. It's just kind of a, a lateral move, I suppose. And maybe it clears the way for more swift production, but I don't know if I'm I'm ready to be heard again. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think it's a solid move uh, just because David Montgomery is an upgrade on Jamal Williams, especially between the 20s. I do think that he is a better rusher of the football and the touchdown upside will obviously still be high with the Lions, especially at home. <laughs> Because, god damn, they, they can move the fucking football. But it's just, we, we've seen it with the Lions now. They value a running back that will show physicality and will run in between the tackles and basically just run the play that's designed. Whereas DeAndre Swift, he's not the most physical guy. He's not going to give you those in-between-the-tackles, grinded-out yards. He's always going to try and dance and make people miss and go outside and try to do stuff that is not incorporated in the plays. And last year, it worked out. It didn't work out with DeAndre Swift. Sometimes it would. Sometimes it wouldn't. But I think that's what the Lions and Dan Campbell specifically value. Mm. And David Montgomery gives you that. And then you get a little bit of an upgrade. Three years, $18 million, $6 million. A year isn't horrible for David Montgomery. He's an average running back. He's currently being drafted as the RB35 in fantasy. RB34, actually. Like what round does that put So he, he's being drafted at pick 108 right now. So, like so ninth. Ninth, 10th round. And he's being drafted around players such as James Conner, Brian Robinson, A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams, Kenny Gainwell, Kareem Hunt. Well, when you put it like that, I'd probably take him over all of those guys. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I, I like the signing. I think it's, I think it's okay, especially when you take into consideration uh, what I said about what the Lions value in terms of a running back and he will be able to produce in, in fantasy football. And unfortunately he will probably have more touches than DeAndre Swift. Oh, I mean, that is that even a question? I'm sure people will question it, and I'm sure DeAndre Swift is getting drafted well ahead of him, but... Where do you think DeAndre Swift is getting drafted? Sixth round? Like, pick 60? Somewhere in the 60 to 70 range? 
I mean, you're pretty much uh, dead on. He's getting drafted at pick 57.6. Yeah, that sounds RB about 15. right. And sounds RB15. Like probably an L to me. That's know. the dead zone. Yeah, people, because people are going to want to buy into it, and we're going to all get burned again, you know? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm kind of off the uh, DeAndre Swift train, but he is uh, going down in ADP, actually. Mm. Yeah, I mean, at the right price, I would take him. Like for the, I, I definitely think like the boom weeks are in his range. It's just he's going to be wildly inconsistent from a touch perspective. So, absolutely. We can close out the show here. I want to give us each a chance to talk about the moves that our teams have have made. And you know, we just talked about the Lions and David Montgomery, but there's another conversation that that I want to have in regards to Detroit. And I want to communicate this point with as little bias as possible like yes i'm a lions fan but i'm not delusional about the lions i don't think that i ever really bring like unrealistic expectations to my analysis because of fandom i mean joey like you as somebody who knows me can attest to this like i don't even watch lions games on sunday to me they're just another team on we red did zone. watch a ton though well we did yeah we watched because... them on red zone <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we would put the game on because a lot of the games that the Lions played last year had a ton of fantasy-relevant players that we were on. Yeah, a lot especially of Amon Ra receptions, Amon Ra targets, etc. So, like, Jared okay, Goff yards. Definitely. I'll, I'll give you that. But the thing is, is, like, if we weren't betting You're on You're not them, sitting down watching a game. Hell no. I'm not, I'm not circling. Like, I'm not making the Lions part of my day. If they win or lose, doesn't affect my new, my mood. Like, yeah, Calvin's my favorite player. I root for them. But my rooting interest is always the players that I have money on first and foremost. That's what drives my interest in the NFL now. Yeah. With that being said, there is no better fit right now for Lamar Jackson than the Detroit Lions, okay? Let's talk about it. Last week, the Ravens placed a non-exclusive franchise tag on Lamar, which means that in order to acquire Lamar Jackson, an interested team would have to give up two first-round picks and offer him a contract that is to his liking, would likely have to be in the Deshaun Watson range in terms of guaranteed money, and then even then, Baltimore would have the chance to match the offer and retain Lamar. But the way that I see this personally is that the relationship between Jackson and the Ravens has been broken beyond the point of no return. He doesn't want to play for them, and it doesn't really seem like they're that set on him anymore either. Right now, Brad Holmes and Sheila Ford should be devoting every waking moment of their days to getting this deal done. (laughs) It is the perfect fit, okay? The Lions, courtesy of the Matthew Stafford trade have the necessary draft capital to get this done. Two top 20 first round picks in this draft, including the sixth overall pick. The only team by my calculations that have comparable ammunition to get this done would be Houston. And if I'm Lamar Jackson and I have a say where I'm agreeing to go, which I think that he very clearly does, it's not even close. If I'm Lamar Jackson, my first priority right now, other than getting paid, of course, is escaping the AFC where I have to go toe to toe with Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. Soon to be Aaron Rodgers like there's a legitimate case to be made that Lamar Jackson is not a top five quarterback in the AFC and if he is he's probably fifth in the NFC you've got Jalen Hurts and that's it Lamar Jackson in the NFC is instantaneously a top two quarterback in the conference and very possibly number one the Lions are built to make this move for the first time that I can remember in my life the Lions are the favorite to win their division and for good reason offensively Ben Johnson is an OC who's a creative play caller that mastermind a dynamic offense who succeeds mostly by putting his players in position to play to their strengths roster wise 
Detroit has a top 10 offensive line and they are absolutely loaded with skill talent. Amon Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, DeAndre Swift, David Montgomery, Reynolds and Raymond as ancillary options. So you're all set from that perspective. Lions fans will sit there and tell you, look at Jared Goff's production. This team doesn't need a quarterback. They need to use the draft capital for defense. No, the NFL has changed, okay? The gap between the top five quarterbacks and the rest of the league is wider than it has ever been. As a team in the NFL, if you can't compete with Mahomes and Burrow and Allen and Hurts at the most important position in football, you're just wasting your time, okay? You're not going to be a contender with the Goffs, the Cousins, the Prescotts, the Carr, the Daniel Jones, the Murray. It is just not enough. I am sorry. If you were the Lions, you need to have made this deal yesterday. You instantly become a top three team in the NFC and you are a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Otherwise, you're rolling with Goff and sure, you can be good. You can make the playoffs, maybe win a game or two, but you are just prolonging the inevitable. You will not win a Super Bowl. There is one winner in the NFL every year. And if you're not first, you're just stretching out how long it takes you to be last. And that's that on that, bro. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, that is how I feel about this situation. I, I can't, it doesn't make sense. Like, all these other teams, like Falcons, you know, Washington, Colts, like Houston, like Lions are clear cut the answer here. This deal should get done. I totally agree. I mean, the Lions make the most sense for everything that you said. I'm not going to repeat what you said. I personally think that Lamar Jackson isn't a Baltimore Raven in 2023. I think he wants to go to a team that will utilize his skill set more as a passer rather than uh, limiting him, uh, especially with what Greg Roman has done. And just the Ravens organization in general have not gave, have not gave him weapons on on the outside, and I don't really think they've respected him as as a passer. No. So I don't think Lamar is a Raven. The best fit is clear cut the Detroit Lions at this point. If I'm Lamar, if the money's good enough, I'm signing that offer sheet with Detroit if they offer it. They've and already said they don't view Goff as the future. So yeah. what like what are we doing? Just just make the move. Make the move. Like what's the alternative? You hit on the draft picks, you hit somebody good on defense at 6 and maybe you get another good defensive player at at like 19, like you're still not a contender. I'm sorry, you're not a contender. Yeah. Lamar Jackson makes you a contender. Pull the trigger. Yeah, Lamar Jackson makes the Detroit Lions the the second favorite team to win the Super Bowl in the NFC in my opinion. Absolutely. Top 3 at worst behind San Francisco and with their quarterback situation, give me Lamar. Them and the Eagles, yeah. it would be neck and neck. Lamar arguably would be the best quarterback in the NFC immediately. And the conference is weak enough to where they'd be in play for the one seed. They would definitely make the playoffs, and they would be a team that would have one of the best offenses in the NFL with a ton of young talent on defense. I mean, I, I get like wanting to save your draft capital and, and just build your team through the draft, but... It's not too often that you get an elite quarterback on the open market uh, of Lamar's caliber. And I know I've been kind of a, a Lamar critic in the past, and I, I do personally think that it is hard to win a Super Bowl with rushing quarterbacks. You have to be an elite passer or at least an above average passer. But Lamar has shown us he can be that, even if it was an outlier season. And I would attribute most of the non-success that he has had as a passer in recent years due to the Ravens' 
inability to provide him with good skill, position, uh, talent. So Lamar to the Lions, I mean, it, it, it has to get done, like you said. It has to. Please, please, bro. And, and just think about Dan Campbell and Lamar Jackson together. That would be a fucking iconic duo, dude. The, the Like the mm-hmm. swag levels, the quotes that we would get would just be off the charts. Oh, my voice hurts. My, I, I, I got passionate about that for the second, man. The Lions, sheesh. <laughs> Potentially, Lamar, get it done. Now, there have been some moves from your favorite team as well, the New England Patriots. Um, yeah. Talk about it. What are what are your thoughts? Yeah, man, it's just it's just disappointing to see your team make or in this case not make moves that would benefit the team, right? Lamar to the Lions would would benefit the team immensely, would make the fans super happy and, and give the fans something to root for. Like they would finally have a team that would be in Super Bowl contention. It's the same thing with the Patriots. They let go of Jacoby Myers whatever that that Boy. that's whatever like that's obviously my guy and it's sad to see him go but they signed Juju Smith-Schuster for pretty much the same contract I know Jacoby Myers got a little bit more guaranteed money which does matter and Juju signed a more team-friendly deal which is really how New England operates is they want players to sign those team-friendly deals and they they want to build out the roster and have a ton of depth which is whatever but essentially the same contract you got to give that to Jacoby Jacoby has been an ascending player over the last three years whereas Juju Smith-Schuster has been a descending player ever since his 1400 yard season in Pittsburgh clear-cut Jacoby Myers put up better stats in pretty much every statistical category at the wide receiver position last year to Juju Smith-Schuster and Juju Smith-Schuster had the best quarterback in NFL history or or one of <laughs> I mean Juju had more yards but if we're, if we're looking if we're just like in terms of context like it was close enough that's whatever but then it's just they want to it, it feels like as a fan they want to live in mediocrity like they haven't made any moves that inspire any confidence like we need a wide receiver one clear cut that has been the position of need for years now (laughs) what do they do they have bc johnson flying in for a tryout (laughs) like deandre hopkins is available i know he's older but at least get that veteran wide receiver one that the patriots have not had since fucking randy moss (laughs) like it doesn't make any sense And they're always going to be in that tier of they're not great, but they're not horrible enough to really get impactful players in the draft. And that's the worst spot to be in because Bill is obviously the best head coach of all time. He's going to have the team competitive no matter what anybody might think. Over the last three years, as we could see, the Patriots have made the playoffs in the last three years with a very subpar team in terms of talent, especially on the offensive side of the ball. They have made the playoffs, and they've won games. And then even in the COVID year with Cam Newton, they won seven games, and they lost about mm, eight one-score games. They're always going to be competitive, but just going back to your whole point is if you don't have one of those top quarterbacks you're drawing dead and in the AFC East now with Rodgers coming in god damn this is gonna be a brutal stretch for New England they're just not making the right moves they can't hit on draft picks they I don't remember the last draft pick that they have really smashed on to be honest um maybe Josh Uche He's, he's starting to come along as a premier address in the NFL. Um, other than that, I mean, 
You, you got your corners. They're okay. It's a brutal time to, to be a Patriots fan. I don't really have much to say other than that. It's just very hard to watch, especially after 15, 20 years of just pure domination of, of the NFL. Life. But it's obvious that when you when you have an elite quarterback, everything is easier. I still believe that the, the Patriots should have tanked that 2020 season. Might be an unpopular opinion, but they absolutely should have not won any single games in that COVID year, and they should have drafted Trevor Lawrence number one overall. And this franchise would be in a much better spot than it is now, and it just sucks to see as a fan. At least you'll have James Robinson taking some of the pressure off of Oh, him. yeah, I'd even... Bro... <laughs> James Robinson, two years, eight million, up to eight million. He's not making eight million guaranteed. Uh, uh, yeah, we let go of Damian Harris. He's a free agent. We're not resigning him. We 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 bring in James Robinson. They bring in Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, they sign a couple of offensive linemen. That's whatever. They just. They just don't retain any of their good players. It makes no sense. And then you run out a wide receiver core of fucking Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Ty Tyquan Thornton next year. Yeah. I yeah, mean, that sounds luck. pretty comparable to uh XFL team running out like Josh Gordon and Geronimo yeah. Allison. At, at least they traded Janu. That was a good move. For sure. They, 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 they had to get something for him. They got, they got the contract off the books. That was a good move. Now they're in the market for a tight end. I'm honestly hoping that they just go the free agent route. Kasicki is a, a free agent. Irv Smith is an underrated uh, tight end free agent right now. I think Schultz is going to re-sign with the Cowboys, which is unfortunate. I think he's a, a solid player, but the Patriots will probably draft a tight end. But that that dude will probably bust. Yeah, it's just, it's just a tough time, and I, I do think that eventually there there needs to be a switch in the organization. Things need to be ran different. And it seems like a lot of free agents don't even want to come and play in New England. I'm shocked at the Juju thing just from like a culture fit. Like he seems like the exact polar opposite of the type of personality that Bill Belichick would want to bring in. And I know Bill like Bill has this like complex of, you know, he can bend anybody to his will and everybody will fall into the Patriot way. But like some of the clown shit that we didn't really talk about because it, it was during our little time away from the pod that Juju was doing, like trolling you know, AJ yeah. Brown and stuff on Twitter and like that skit, like, I don't know how this is going to work out. And <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't be too bullish on it. But to your point, yeah. like the Patriots, because of Bill Belichick and the coaching and the scheme, like they're, they're always going to compete. Yeah, they'll, they'll always compete and they'll always be in a position where they're not having a top five overall pick and you just, you don't want to be there. That's not where you want to be. You want to either, like to me, I would rather be the worst team in the league than be somebody who's finishing in the middle of the pack 10 yeah. out of 10 times. And the, the Patriots are destined for years of being average, of being that 16 17th draft pick and maybe the, there's maybe the new quality of the AFC East will actually hammer them into obliteration for the first time because I mean shit Rodgers Josh Allen Tua throw into Jalen and Tyreek but the thing maybe. is they'll still win one of those eat one of those two games against each team that's yeah. the, that's the brutal part about being a Patriots fan is you know they're not going to the Super Bowl we're probably not going to the Super Bowl for a while to in the division they'll probably go 500 they'll probably beat the bills once they'll beat the jets once and they'll beat the dolphins once it always fucking happens i it's just it's inevitable and they're gonna finish eight and nine nine and eight miss the playoffs and have pick 15 pick 16 in the draft and then they'll make some outlandish fucking selection like taking 
an interior guard in the first round that has a fifth round grade <laughs> and classic patriots <laughs> it it makes no fucking sense dude like uh i, I wish i was a gm man i, I wish i could just I, I feel like a lot of people can can make better moves than some of this team like if you've played any type of madden you can make better moves and better decisions than some of the people in these organizations yeah if you've played uh, like dynasty fantasy football for more than two years <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, you'd you'd have a better understanding of roster construction and and team needs and shit like that. Like, oh my, uh, that shit just pisses me off. It, it pisses, it, it really does, and that, that's why I'm kind of on the same boat now as you, where like I don't watch games yeah. that much anymore. I don't care to watch, and maybe that's because we do bet a lot on football and we're more invested in the players that we have money on, and it's more fun that way. Definitely have gone to the side of like they're they're still my team they'll always be my team Mm -hmm. but i won't be like that diehard fan that's arguing with people on twitter or whatever and doing all that stuff like i'll have conversations about what they should do on twitter and i always tweet like you know go after this guy or or trade for this guy but i I don't let it affect me anymore because we're we're just going to be mediocre for the next uh 10 years yeah so you're you're 25 right yeah. All right. Over under New England Patriots making an AFC championship by age 34 and a half. I would say over. Okay. All right. So I you think still they'll got get some hope. I think they'll get, I think they can make it there, mm. but it, it, I guess it would all depend on like whether Bill leaves or not. True. Um, I mean, obviously they have to start hitting on draft picks. They have to. That seems like the biggest thing they need is they need to stop having Belichick be like also the GM. Just have him be the coach and get somebody who can make better personnel moves. Like, right? Yeah, I think Robert Kraft has just given him too much control in terms of roster management and finding players that will excel in his scheme. But the defense is never a concern. The defense will always be good. Like the defense keeps us in games and that's what Bill excels at. He's a defensive minded head coach first. We need somebody to just come in and take the reins on everything in terms of the offense. Do not let Bill have a say in how the offense is ran. Let Bill O'Brien come in, who I think is a very good coach. He was just horrible at roster management and being a GM. He tried to be Bill Belichick in Houston didn't work out let him come in and take control of the offense and let him get the players that will fit the offense the best and not let bill have a say in that they have not hit on a wide receiver in the draft i think in my entire life no cap definitely not since we've been doing the podcast they they literally are the worst wide receiver drafting team in the entire league so that needs a change and I'm just hoping that they, they take uh, Jackson Smith and the Jigba at 14 and just just bring him in and let's see what happens. It is definitely the biggest need on their team, and, and we'll see. And it's good to be back, man. I'm, I'm glad that we are recording. I, we'll be back much more frequently, I would say. Um, a lot of free agency news to cover, a lot of season-long stuff that will be coming out over the next couple of weeks. Soon we'll get win totals. We've got player prop futures that we can bet on, and we'll be doing content around that all off-season long. 
And that's going to be it for this off-season update, this free agency conversation. If you're interested in connecting with us on a deeper level, you can follow us on Twitter at DoseMediaNet, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover, Joey's at DFS. And if you want to join our inner circle, you can find the link to our free Discord in the show notes to this podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic.